This is Proxy Countdown. Welcome to the big show for the week of January 15th, 2024. Alongside my tag team partner, Matt Muscardi. I'm Damian Rollis on today's countdown. The end of an error at the company formerly known as Facebook. BP picks boring and familiar for its new CEO. An update on the ongoing proxy cage match at Disney. Common stockholders pretending their votes matter at Unifirst. And on our big vote, there's a big say on pay chicken at the big chicken company. After tw- Let's go to our trade wire after our top stories. After 12 years as a director and 14 years as COO, Sheryl Sandberg is stepping down from the board of Meta Platforms at the company's upcoming annual meeting of shareholders. Because of Mark's absurdly despotic grip on the company, he controls 72% of influence and 61% of voting power. Her resignation won't really affect the leadership structure at the company. Uh, To be fair though, I have always considered Cheryl to be the true CEO of Facebook. And according to our metrics, she is stepping down as an all-star performer, batting 603 overall, including 877 in earnings and 900 in carbon. Just so we're clear too, that's not just meta Facebook performance. She was on the board of uh, Disney, who we're gonna foreshadow coming up, but she um, made she made some uh, made some bones at Disney and had strong performance throughout. And maybe this is why she's retiring now as an all-star in case some those numbers dipped. In case uh, Nelson Peltz decides maybe Sheryl Sandberg should be back on the board to Disney to restore the magic. BP has finally found its new CEO, and that's current interim CEO and CFO Murray. Ocean Claus. Oh, that's boring. Murray became interim CEO four months ago after Bernard Looney suddenly resigned after failing to reveal relationships with colleagues. BP said it carried out a search process to appoint the new CEO, but I guess that search was a waste of time and money because Murray was already keeping the seat warm. In a strange twist of BP love, Murray himself is also in a relationship with a BP colleague, but this courtship has been properly disclosed. Uh, Two things about this. First of all, could we get any more boring? I remember when my dad worked at a small local bank, they hired a big outside firm and spent, you know, six figures on a consultant to tell them, how to merge their tiny bank with another tiny bank and what they should call it, how to rebrand it. And the rebranding was the same name as my dad's <laughs> bank. That was that was what they came to. And they told them they got that suggestion from a secretary inside the bank. Here's another situation in which we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars of shareholder money to confirm that you're just going to pick the guy who's already working there and also has a relationship with somebody there. Uh, Speaking of new CEOs, the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company announced that Mark Stewart will become CEO and director following a pressure campaign by shareholder activist Elliott Investment Management. Mark succeeds Richard Kramer, who will become senior advisor to the CEO. 
Mark comes from Stellantis, where he was COO of North America and where he oversaw the carmaker's recent labor negotiations this past fall. Mark's golden hello package comes to just under $20 million, including about $4 million in cash, $4 million in fully vested stock, and $11 million in additional equity. But Matt, why exactly are they giving him $19.975 million? Is this the corporate equivalent of selling a shovel for $19.99? Isn't this also hiring the guy who just unsuccessfully negotiated the union problem at Stellantis? He was the COO of North America for Stellantis from 2018 to 2024. That suggests to me that he was directly involved with the union efforts, the the, the efforts to basically increase their, their participation. And that's the guy that Elliot thought Oh, this will be perfect. Let's give him $20 million, including a fully vested cash and uh, stock plan of $8.5 million. It does not seem like the best choice. Finally, in notable board changes, former Ernst & Young CEO and chair Mark Weinberger joins J.P. Morgan Chase. Linda Gooden will be stepping down at the Home Depot. And all-star Freeman Hrabowski III batting 719 overall with 11% influence is stepping down at McCormick and Company. That's actually, he was one of my draft picks. If you listen to the Business Pants show when we did a board draft, he was one of my draft picks. That's sad news that he's stepping down. It's sad to lose an all-star. <laughs> let's get to our Dis, our proxy cage matches. Uh, let's go to our Disney proxy cage match update that we seem to do every week. Uh, The company has just released its preliminary proxy statement ahead of the upcoming director battle. Most notably and unsurprisingly, Disney has rejected Nelson Peltz's push for a board seat. A quote from the filing, In deciding not to recommend Mr. Peltz, the directors considered a number of factors, including that in a two-year quest for a seat on the Disney board, Mr. Peltz had not actually presented a single strategic idea for Disney. Disney is also rejecting Trian's other board nominee, former Disney CFO Jay Rasulo. Also, contrary to earlier reports, Disney is in fact rejecting the three board nominees put forward by investment firm Blackwell's Capital despite the fact that that Blackwell said its candidates would support CEO Bob Iger. Disney cited the Blackwell's nominees' lack of experience as directors of large public companies. Those those three nominees are former Warner Brothers executive Jessica Schell, real estate investment executive Craig Hatkoff, who co-founded the Tribeca Film Festival with Robert De Niro, and TaskRabbit founder and former CEO Leah Sullivan. First of all, those nominees that don't have any uh, large board experience, Mike Froman is on the Disney board. When he joined in 2018, he had not served on a large cap board. He was a government, he, he worked in government and he'd worked at, um, in investment banking, but was not on a board. But second of all, when it comes to Trian, I love the argument that Trian is making that Disney has not, we want to restore the magic. And when Disney says 
that they have not come up with a single strategic solution to anything. Here's what they mean. This is from a filing that posted last night. Um, this is uh, what Trian is saying. They're mm -hmm. saying Disney has not set ambitious targets for anything like... Uh, Disney says focused on achieving significant and sustained profitability for streaming. Trian says target and achieve Netflix-like margins. <laughs> so th th okay. that's the strategic, like the, the future of ESPN. Disney has said build ESPN into the preeminent digital sports platform. And Trian says what Trian will do is commit to a reasonable defined payback period and return profile for ESPN and communicate it. Oh, they didn't set okay. a number. They didn't set a strategy. They said the same thing Disney said with more words and think that that's going to sell. This is one of be going to be one of the best votes, I think, in the history of proxy cage matches. If for no other reason than investors are going to, if they're buying what Trian is selling here, they just like lots of extra adjectives. Uh, sounds like Harvard has Bill Ackman and Disney has Nelson Peltz. Pesky billionaires exerting influence. Moving over to our vote results table. Uh, Z Scaler, 17% of shareholders voted against co-founder, CEO, chair, Jay Chaudhry, which is saying something since he controls 38% of company voting power. On top of that, 28% of shareholders rejected his pay, which was a big fat $58 million last year. It's nice to have power and to put number on his power. Jay controls 74% of board influence at Zscaler. Similarly, at Unifirst Corporation, where the Croati family controls 53% of the company's voting power, common stockholders voted out Director Michael Iandoli, but he will return to the board because the Croati family and their pesky Class B shares like him. And lastly, at Lindsay Corporation, 14% of voters are against the re-election of board chair Bob Bruner, who controls 14% of board influence. On the other hand, shareholders voted 99% in support of CEO Randy Wood, and his 31% board influence. All right, Matt, that's our news for the day. Let's move on to our, oh, let's go to our big vote. Where we are talking about Tyson Foods. The chicken factory. The big chicken uh, heaven here in the United States of America. Their annual meeting is coming up February 8th, 2024. Before I hand it off to you and before we talk to your recommendations uh, for their board, at least, we'll start with the board. A, a few notes, a few uh, general observations. First of all, this company, yes, is in fact controlled by the Tyson family. They control 71% of the voting power because of their Class B shares, which in fact give them 10 votes per share. You usually see this in big tech, but now we're seeing it at Big Chicken. Uh, also, performance. According to our metrics, the this board is batting a woeful 213 overall. In, in fact, Matt, everybody basically sucks at this board except for two directors, Cheryl Miller hitting 677 and Kevin McNamara hitting 623. Otherwise, 
just poor performers across the board. Uh, also, the board waived the retirement age bylaw for two of its directors, Mike Beebe and, no surprise, Barbara Tyson. And lastly... Uh, there's a bit of a quirk with their say on pay this year that I, I will get to uh, when we talk about say on pay later. So let's start with the, let's go right to the board of directors, Matt. They are electing 14 directors to the board, including two Tyson family board members. That's chair and former CEO John H. Tyson and uh, former VP Barbara Tyson. They control a combined 71% of board influence. And look, before we even get to the vote itself, it's mm-hmm. worth saying here, controlling 71, 72% of the vote should disqualify you immediately from being on the Russell 1000, S&P 500, Russell 3000, the MSCI World, the MSCI USA. They're on every index because they're a large company. It's a private they company. Are, it's a private company. It's fake public, which means every recommendation I'm about to give you and everything I'm about to say is almost irrelevant because you have no control. You are along for the ride and you are paying the family money out of your pocket. That's all you're doing. And I'll I'll have some more details about that when we talk about stay on pay because uh, not only the pay package, but who the CFO is will prove Matt's point very precisely. So go ahead, Matt. even beyond that, Mm -hmm. this is an egregious board, okay? So we've established it's a family firm with multiple family members on the board. We got that. It's executive vice chair was the ex-CEO. All right, good. So we got two family members and an executive vice chair who was the CEO of the company. Not a family member, but okay, we got that. The company family council also on the board. Okay, all right. We got another person who works for Tyson. Is the council? Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a second vice chair on this board. I've never seen a company with two vice chairs. And we're not even really, in in corporate governance terms, we're not even really sure what a vice chair is. It's an undefined role. It's a make-believe that everybody's a vice chair. Who's not a vice chair? But the second vice chair is, quote-unquote, independent. Turns out he's the longest tenured director who's not a family member. He's been there for 16 years. Yeah, and he also sits on the executive committee, a committee that consists of three people, and that the two other people are the Tyson family members and him, this so-called independent director. You want to know how many other times I could see two family members and two vice chairs on a board in any company globally? None. None times. I went looking. I went to, I went to try to find—maybe they have different names— but multiple family members and multiple ex-CEOs. How many ex-CEOs do you need on a board? Because right now, there are two ex-CEOs on this board and the current CEO and uh, uh, two family members. Well, I'll tell you where this helps is because one of those directors you're talking about, that's former CEO Noel White, who is currently the executive vice chair, uh, whatever that means. He is responsible for two, yes, two Nepo babies at this company. There are two of his... Family members are employed by Tyson Foods, including his son-in-law, who makes roughly $300,000, and his son, who makes $200,000. I wonder how that works, that the the son-in-law actually makes more than the son. That doesn't even count the CFO of the company, who is a Tyson, right? That's John R. Tyson. I'll I'll get to him when we talk about pay. Yes, John R. Tyson. Uh, 
I'm just saying that already, just mm-hmm. by if you have a napkin handy and you've been keeping account, at least you, six of the 14 directors are not independent at all. And it wouldn't be a napkin. It would be a, a probably a wet nap, no, for a chicken it would, company? It might be. Well, it'd probably be a buffalo sauce covered wet nap. I'm so, thinking of, yeah, I'm thinking of fried chicken and greasy chicken wings. So um, that's before I even get into the eight other directors and how they might be compromised, which okay. includes yeah. Mickle Dunham, who is an independent director. She um, is a CEO of a fish company. And um, mm-hmm. uh, it turns out she's a supplier of fish to Tyson. She's, <laughs> right. also, she's also the winner of the best footnote in a proxy I've ever read with this mm-hmm. footnote. Ms. D- uh, Ms. Dunham, or Durham. Durham. Um, uh, was not, I'm sorry, Durham, was not an independent director between October 2nd, 2021 and August 11th, 2022. <laughs> On August 11th, 2022, the board determined that Ms. Durham to be an independent director and appointed Ms. Durham to serve as a member of the audit committee effective as of the same date. So for some reason, yeah. in an 11-month or 10-month period, she was not independent. And then she became independent. It's like monopoly despite rules. Despite the fact that she's yeah. still a supplier of fish to Tyson. Yeah. Tyson uh, also has two directors, uh, Jeff Schomberger and Dave Bronchek, mm-hmm. who are both chairs, oddly, of the United Way. One oh, for okay. the United Way in the Southwest and one for United Way out of Florida, but both United Way chairs. And Mike Beebe, who uh, is a director, is the ex-governor of Arkansas, mm-hmm. where the Tyson family is originally from. Right. And their family sits on the board of the Northwest Arkansas Can- Council with the Walmart family, and they all have very deep ties to Arkansas. So Mike Beebe, not exactly going to be independent, given that the Tyson family and Arkansas are basically the same thing going back in their history. Mike Beebe, one of two directors that they decided to ignore their retirement age and keeping him on the board. And I, can I, and I will, can I add this too? That there aren't a lot of minority shareholders at this company. There's, uh, the, you know, the Tyson family controls 71% of the vote. But I will say this, they, they, are, they sound as angry as you do, Matt. Uh, 8% of those, of the, of the total shareholders. So this, this is not just a subset of the, of the, uh, the minority, but 8% total voted against, uh, chair John H. H. Tyson. 10% voted against Les Bellege, who's a, he's the, you didn't even mention him. He's the former he's executive the vice president and general counsel at Tyson. Yeah. Uh, 7% against Mike Beebe's, um, Eight percent, seven percent against Barbara Tyson. It goes on from there. So they're they're the the minority shareholders agree with you, Matt. Well, they do. If our baseline is a normal director vote, which we see at 96 percent on average, right? Mm-hmm. The adjusted votes for Les Ballage, mm-hmm. who is the lowest vote getter from an adjusted vote standpoint. And when I say adjusted vote, I mean excluding the Tyson family vote. I mean sure. just the minority shareholders was still 63% for Les Ballage. Okay, but, that's a, but that's a significant number, though, I will say. That's a significant number, but you can't even vote out 
the one of the two ex CEOs or the well, council? I will say this: it's it's kind of like voting for the president uh, in a state like New York, for instance, where you feel like your vote doesn't really matter. So maybe you just stay home and watch the game, and you don't go vote. So I I I'm thinking that there are plenty of shareholders like, ah, eh, what what does it matter if I vote against less? I balance? don't I don't disagree, but here's what you get by not registering your displeasure. Here's mm-hmm. a short list of controversies that Tyson is currently dealing with. Number one, they just settled $21 million class action lawsuit over collusion to fix chicken farmer wages. That's that's outside of the fact that they actually had a class action lawsuit for anti-competitive practices in beef processing and the Department of Justice is alleging price fixing of chickens Mm -hmm. themselves. Their core business, all they do is monopolize, price fix, and collude. That's like baseline for them. That ignores the fact that there's an outstanding lawsuit or several outstanding lawsuits about how they failed to protect workers during COVID-19 because we covered on our Business Pants show that they would put out signs in their facilities in English saying wear a mask when they knew that more than 60% of the the employees there did not speak English. They Mm -hmm. only spoke Spanish. They had no like actual uh, 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 safety protocols for COVID-19 at the time. And there are deaths linked to people getting COVID at their facilities. Right. This is beyond the fact that this the CFO, which I know you're going to talk about, John R. Tyson, got in trouble himself. I won't even talk about that. I'll let you talk about that. Uh, my vote recommendation here is: if you are an investor in this company, mm-hmm. the only thing you can do is vote against everything. Every everything. Vote against every single director because there's no way you're going to win. They're all compromised. Yeah. They're all compromised. But you are effectively staking right now. What you're doing is you're forced to make an investment if you're a universal investor in this company because they're on the index, and you're forced to own the index most of the time, which means you have it right. So now you're along for the ride. But what you get for that ride is nepo babies, class action lawsuits, price fixing, collusion, and every family member that ever touched the Tysons sitting on the board or working for the company. Mm-hmm. All of the directors, almost without fail, are somehow compromised. Well, and there's, we know there's no point to your vote, but the only thing you could, should see here is a 0% for vote for every single one of them. They should only ever get capped at 71% of the vote because that's what the Tyson zone. And to your point, the chair of the nomination committee is a former executive of the company. I, I don't remember the last time I've seen that. His name is that's, that's Les Ballage. We talked about the former general counsel of Tyson Foods. The... the, 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 the the, a member, a former executive of the company is also on the audit committee, which is like when you give the financial like state of the company and they and they basically have to say yes or no to how you mm-hmm. do the accounting to someone who worked at the company. What do you think the incentives are, especially when they're going to report to the guy whose family owns the company? Oh, the, the whole thing is compromised. I don't know why. 
If you're an investor, you're forced to hold this. I don't know why you would ever see above a 0% for vote for every single one of them just to say this is some of the worst corporate governance you could ask for in a publicly traded company. This is a fake public company. Register your displeasure with a 0% for vote. Okay, moving on to the uh, say on pay vote, uh, a little bit of a twist here. So last year, Matt, 98% of voters said yes on say on pay. That was in 2023. But they also had a vote on the frequency of future say on pay votes. And uh, here's a little twist, Matt. So the, the Tyson family controls roughly 704 million votes, okay? So 719 million votes voted for to vote on Sampay every three years. So that thanks to the Tyson family, they have determined that for all shareholders, they're only allowed to uh, vote on pay every three years, which to your point earlier, should not be allowed for any Russell 3000 company. I mean, you shareholders should have a say on an annual but- vote. The most amazing thing about that vote is it, it puts in stark contrast the concept here, which is your vote as an investor doesn't matter. It should always be against the entire thing. In fact, our recommendations on this show, which will not be sexy for dual class companies where, where family control or founder controlled companies will always be vote against them all. Because there is no way they should be on an index in the first place. But since they are, there is no way an investor should have any confidence that one person or one family should be making their governance decisions for them. You should not have that confidence. That's why you have a vote. A few highlights from the pay package that you cannot vote on this year. Uh, I want to focus on two Tyson family members. First, executive chair and former CEO John H. Tyson. Matt, one of his perks is the personal use of company-owned jet for up to 275 hours per year. A chicken man needs 275 hours of private jet use, and that bill for that jet last year was just over $1 million. So I did some populist math. Okay, yeah. The the national average cost of a coach flight mm-hmm. doing a one-way across the entire United States uh, flight is $382. If you add $1,000 for that for, for first class, because, you know, fly first class, why not? That's $1,382 per flight. That means with the million dollars they spent on flights, that's 779 flights or 389 round trip flights, which means he would cross the country round trip 1.07 times per day on oh. a 365-day year. <laughs> a, a year. Uh, other misuses of shareholder money include the fact that his he gets benefits, that he gets the use of company security personnel. He gets security services of up to $50,000 annually on top of that. And he gets a payment of an annual premium on seven a $7.5 million life insurance policy. He also gets additional cellular device and data storage services. He gets uh, money for event tickets he gets money for donation matching, and he gets money for an executive physical. He also, on top of that, any tax liability that might have incurred through these benefits, the company will pay for. Uh, and here's an odd odd uh, uh, transaction I also saw on the proxy. Uh, executive Chair John H. Tyson made purchases of protein from the company in the amount of $150,000 last year. 
What do you think that's all about? Well, here you go. Yeah. Sam's Club <laughs> sells Tyson chicken nuggets, uh -huh. the biggest bag you can get, for $15.68. That is 9,600 bags <laughs> of chicken nuggets or 26 chicken nuggets bags a day yep. that John H. Tyson spent on company shareholder money on protein from the company. Uh, and finally, let's talk about CFO John R. Tyson, one of our uh, famous, our favorite, I guess, Nepo babies in our entire database. So uh, we talked a lot about him in the past. In November 2022, the CFO of Tyson Foods, John R. Tyson, was found asleep in the home of a, a woman in Fayetteville, Arkansas. He Again, Matt, he was found asleep in a, in a strange woman's bed. Yeah, the, CFO, yeah, the CFO, the yeah. CFO at Tyson Foods, he was arrested and charged with criminal trespassing and public intoxication, and he, and in fact, he pleaded guilty to these charges in January 2023. This is the man that kept his job as CFO and still gets three million dollars uh, in total pay. The CFO well, of Tyson Foods, three million dollars minus the four hundred and forty dollar charge for right. the tri criminal trespass that's that where it helps the, the it helps to have fine. friends in the arkansas police departments because that's the the total fine for uh falling asleep in a woman's bed a strange woman's bed is, is less than five hundred dollars sure if if first of all if if um nepo tyson john r tyson was a black man who fell asleep in a fayetteville woman's house this would be a totally different story. And it helps that Mike Beebe, the ex-Arkansas governor, Absolutely. is on your board. Absolutely. You could go fall asleep in everyone's house. It only costs 400 bucks. It's a good night out. It helps with your charges, and it also helps with the fact that you keep your job as the CFO of an S&P 500 company. All right, finally, let's wrap up uh, the, the big vote with uh, shareholder proposals. There are, in fact, four shareholder proposals up for a vote this year. They are, they are a rep, one requesting a report on corporate climate lobbying. Four. Uh, Do it. Okay. One, uh, a report regarding deforestation-free supply chains. Uh, one, a report on a circular economy for packaging. And finally, the one I want to focus on, a, uh, a proposal regarding the company's labor practices. So this... These, uh, I'll say this before I, I get into this uh, proposal, is that Tyson Foods does something very obnoxious and they don't list the shareholder proponents on any of these proposals. I don't know why they're hiding the names of these proponents. This is a rare practice. I thought it was a SEC requirement, but they don't tell you who puts these up, probably because they want to hide the identity of the nice sisters, the nice nuns who are probably asking for these things. But... Uh, this proposal is asking for an independent third-party audit assessing the effectiveness of the company's policies and practices in preventing illegal child labor throughout the company's value chain. And one of the reasons for this proposal, Matt, is that in March 2023, a Department of Labor investigation found the use of illegal child labor in Tyson's Arkansas and Tennessee facilities. So there you go. So this sounds like a home run, grand slam, slam dunk of a shareholder proposal at Tyson Foods. Of course, the board at Tyson Foods is urging for you uh, to vote against. I will add that the Department of Labor investigations into, into illegal child labor also include 600 ongoing investigations at Tyson Foods. And 
One of the reasons why Tyson Foods says vote against this one is that it already has a no-tolerance policy for the use of illegal child labor, despite uh, the fact that uh, an investigation found the use of illegal child labor. So this is a this is a head scratcher. This one, but that's the that's the. I'm going to leave you on that one, Matt. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a vote for um, because uh, it, it, it if you've already found it to be there, you need to know how widespread it is. Six hundred ongoing investigations. Six hundred. But Tyson, uh, the best part about this is the the self justification, which is we already said it's it, w- child labor is illegal, and we've already said you're not allowed to. So yeah, we, I don't know yeah. why you're we asking no us to go policy. look. Yeah. They 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 claim because they fired the the subcontractor who was cleaning the facility, who f- the the there was some investigation, and they ha- were using some child labor, because then it's 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 fine. Tyson misses the obvious point that there are multiple like investigations about this and they just said it goes against our policy. This is vote four. And you can watch it lose when the 71.7% of the Tyson family trust votes votes against it. Uh, I will say this too to end the show is that uh, we talked about how the former governor of Arkansas is on this board. Arkansas is one of the states uh, within this past year that introduced a bill to roll back child labor protections. I I would say that's a coincidence, but it does not feel that coincidental. Uh, that's uh, that. So that's the the recommendations uh, for Tyson Foods. I, I think is pretty clear for Matt. Although you don't have a vote on San Pay, unfortunately, this year, Matt is saying vote against everything else. Yeah, vote against vote for the shareholder proposals. Uh, and vote against the only right. way you can register your constant displeasure with this company, a company that has woefully underperformed, has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on investigations, class action lawsuits, and has tremendous uh, problems and has seen their CEO flip and join the board at least three times uh, like uh, because we still have three CEOs on the board. This is a company that the only way to register your displeasure is vote for every shareholder proposal, regardless of what it asks for, even if I agree or not, and vote against everything management asks. That's the way you register your displeasure. Uh, I will say this. There's no anti-woke, no anti-ESG proposal at this company. That that says something in itself. That's the proxy countdown for the week of January 15, 2024. Join us next week when we jump back into the alternative democracy pool forever on the lookout for shareholder sharks, floating band-aids, and wayward directors.